listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. I was watching TV today and I was looking at some old college basketball games in lieu of March Madness. And I got to thinking about, as we have talked about previously, but I got to really thinking about how tough it is for some seniors. Not the first year one and done guys, some seniors who want to play for the fun of the game, some seniors who may not make it to the next level, some seniors who just love playing the game and will not have a chance to finish their careers because the basketball season ended. Now, football they did, but the basketball season ended and the spring sports right now, probably a rumor. So... Parents, I want to hear from you. 1-800-919-3776. Take me through your child's favorite moment in your eyes. In other words, what was your favorite moment sports-wise in your child's career? Be it volleyball, be it lacrosse, whatever it is. 1-800-919-3776. And also, be prepared because I'm going to ask you what your favorite moment from your high school or college career was. Yeah, I want to find out about you too. 1-800-919-3776. And as we always get trained to do, I'm going to start with me. So I was a freshman at City College. Yeah, you know, back when Abe Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. And so during that time, I was on this intramural basketball team. And some guys just approached me. I was walking on campus and a couple of guys said, hey, you do you like basketball? I said, yeah, I love basketball. He said, you know, we're trying to get a team together to play for the intramural championship at City College. And they had two divisions. They had A division and they had a B division. And so they said, you know, we want to, you know, if you're interested in playing, we'd like to, you know, play. And they held the games during 12 to 2 on Thursdays was the free period time. And so that was the time that, you know, you could go to the gym and they threw the balls out and, you you know, you got teams and you had to sign up. And, you know, there's no fee or anything. It was just, you know, good, clean fun. And so we got these guys and it was crazy because I didn't know anybody. OK, I'm a freshman. I didn't know any of these people on this team. But we, you know, we met. And we, you know, we sat down and we talked and we didn't work out. We didn't have plays. Obviously, we're just free flowing basketball. And. The first year, we went seven and one. And the one loss we had, ironically, was the team that we ultimately would beat in the championship. And so, because it, it was intramural championships, there was no trophies. <laughs> no, no, no rings. I, I don't have a ring like a Chris Canty. Right, from his Super Bowl victory. No, we didn't get any rings like that. <laughs> uh, I didn't get a hat, you know, that had like a- AFC champion, NFC champion, Super Bowl champion, NBA champion. Nope, nope, nothing like that. We got a CCNY intramural t-shirt. It didn't even say championship on it. It didn't. But we knew we won. And it was, and nobody had the shirts, okay? You didn't have the shirts unless... You won the championship. So if, if people knew, if you had the shirt, that means you were a champion. In the championship game, I probably had one of my best games ever. Great rebounds, 
A lot of second chance points. My team had a horrible night shooting, but I was hitting the boards. So we were able to win, played some tough defense, got some turnovers, and we were able to beat and win the championship. So that was my favorite moment because, you know, championships matter, right? You love that when you win. 1-800-919-3776. Get your thoughts on your child's favorite moment this season or during their career, and I want to ask you about your favorite moment from your sports career as well. While we line up those calls for you, we'll talk about a couple of other things that happened in the world of sports, and we'll talk about it. We'll get into detail with it next hour, but it was really, really fascinating to hear uh, Michael Irvin on Get Up This Morning talking about DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien, and the funny thing was... Because yesterday when he was on first take, he was speculating. And we all have had speculation because, listen, we don't want to think that Bill Bryan is totally incompetent in his job as a general manager. <laughs> all right. Coaching's not bad. Does a pretty good job coaching. General manager, eh, we're not sure. He, he's struggling as a GM. All right. Struggling. And so for him to ship uh, DeAndre Hopkins off to Kansas City for what little he got makes you think what is going on here so there had to be some speculation so we were wondering whether there was a rift between the two of the guys whether there was a problem whether it was a contractual thing whether he wanted money and they just didn't have it and so Michael Irvin came out firing this morning on Get Up with Greeny on ESPN TV so much to the point that uh, DeAndre Hopkins tweeted that this was being blown away out of proportion about him being traded. And here's what he doesn't understand. It is not being blown way out of proportion. <laughs> it is not. The reason why people are so shocked is because usually, look, the ideal trade is when both teams get better. In other words, okay, if you're going to give a talented player like DeAndre Hopkins away in the trade, what you want to do is you want to get something back that's commensurate or close to the talent that you're giving up. So in this case, there's nobody on on Arizona who is comparable to DeAndre Hopkins. Nobody. Nobody. So what you do is you get a couple of players, but you get a bunch of draft choices because then you can, you know, re, you know, add to your team, add some talent, add some depth, as a lot of teams do through the draft. That's what you do. OK, so by him not doing that, he didn't even get a number one pick. So that's why everybody's just gone wild. So I know why DeAndre Hopkins, who's taking the high road and he's doing the right thing. And that's what you should do. Take the high road. Not complaining. Don't want to talk about it. I'm ready to go to my new team. I've closed that door. A new door is open and I'm running through that door right now because I don't want to look back. <laughs> I don't want to look back at what, what I just left through. It's a new opportunity. I'm going through it with wide open, wide open eyes. I'm happy. But needless to say, everybody's wondering, like, what is going on? Why Why was this trade done? So while he was once again taking the high road, he has to understand why we're all wondering what the heck happened, why he is leaving. And more importantly, what's going to happen 
to Watson and that offense going forward because you have just taken a major, major piece out of that offense, A, and B, which you replaced it with, is a, is a running back who's had trouble staying healthy and who was really good like two years ago for one season. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk some Giants football. He is the man who knows everything about the New York football Giants, and he tells you on ESPN.com. Jordan Manon joins me here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Jordan. What's up, Larry? What's going on? Everything is good. So, Jordan, what are you what are you doing now? You're 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 quarantined in the sense of you know you're not able to go to the facility to get your information. I mean, your family's looking at you like, wow, why can't we? We we hate the situation, but can't you work like this all the time? <laughs> you know, the reality is when free agency comes around, this is kind of the way it is anyway. Free agency and the reason that it's going on is a remote event, right? Yep. Nobody's I – mean, the Giants don't even really hold – I mean, they haven't held press conferences in years for a free agent day science. So, like, this is kind of business as usual. The only difference is I got other people with me at home now, <laughs> you know? So, I'm sharing my office now with my 8-year-old daughter and my wife, and I said to my daughter the other day, like, you, you know, you talk a lot because she's supposed to be – we're basically – she still has school. You're basically, they're basically doing their school from home. So I got her blabbing in my ear, my phone blowing up. You know, I got texts going all over the place. And, you, you know, you're trying to juggle it all. And next thing you know is they're signing Blake Martinez when you, when you finally fall asleep at night, like five minutes later. <laughs> so that's what cool. free agency, uh, coronavirus, you know, 2020 is like right now. Jordan, uh, I'm going to share this with you, and then we'll talk some Giants. You haven't lived, and you you know this because you've been in the business a while, and so I'll share this with the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, when I was embedded with the Jets, it was the phone rang at 2 a.m. Larry, there's going to be a 2.15 presser. We've got, ready, ready, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. That guy that used to play in Green Bay, Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Giants uh, aren't okay. going. To, uh, okay, okay <laughs> thanks. Giants, Giants didn't sign Tom Brady, so we're all right on that one. <laughs> that would be like the equivalent, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jordan, well, what what have we learned kind of with these moves of, of what the kind of roster, what, what the kind of idea and characteristics and identity of this Giants team under under Joe Judge? Well, I think we learned that they want to be big and physical. James Bradbury, a physical corner, not known. I mean, good cornerback, not known to be super speedy, but he sure plays, plays physical. Blake Martinez, you know, strong, physical middle linebacker. Uh, Tui Lolo, I don't even want to try to pronounce his first name right now. At tight end, I mean, he's 6'8". Block, complete blocker, physical player. Uh, so I, I think you're starting to see the team that Joe Judge wants to build, and it begins with physicality. Now, I will say this. I've also, what you also learned about the Giants right now is it seems they finally, finally have a, a grasp of reality in the fact that they realize this is not a one year 
we can win now project, right? They, they elected to distribute their money in a way where they were only going to make really two big signings and then make some minor moves and fill some spots here or there. And they they didn't use any signing bonuses, which they usually do, which could spread money out over over years. And they didn't just try to do a quick quick fix, which for Giants fans should be your biggest takeaway right now, is that they finally seem to realize this is a project, this is going to take time. They sh- and, and Dave Gettleman admitted it on the Michael K show that they tried. It was a mistake. They tried to win while rebuilding. That no, this is going to be a multi-year project. They couldn't fill all the holes. They're going to they get a couple pieces this year. They're going to get some more in the draft where they want to build their team, and they'll add and supplement through free agency again next year. Hey, they got it. You 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 wore them down, Jordan. You your writing and your criticism. You wore them down. I, the problem is they wasted how many years now? I, I mean, that was the thing when they, it, it was so obvious when they hired Pat Shermer. What was that? Twenty seventeen. Everyone on the outside, right? They had just gone three and thirteen. They had a thirty-seven-year-old quarterback, I believe, at the time, who was on the way on on the decline. They had a new coach, a new general manager. That was the time to scrap it and rebuild, and they didn't do it. And it took what three years later, Mm. where we're sitting here, and they're finally doing it. So at least. They got to it. It was a circuitous route, one you wish they wouldn't have taken. Because in the meantime, what they go in the last two years? They won nine games? Yeah. <laughs> and they're the worst team in the NFL since 2017. So on Giants like too. It's, it's crazy. You, when, when you think of the Giants and you think of what they were, and, and you know, I mean, you hear it all the time, Jordan. I'm sure from yeah. from from fans who talk to you. I mean, this is not the Giants aren't supposed to be like this. Well, this is the reality of where they are. I mean, they they're. They went off track. They had they let everything go off track. It was it was the crack started a long time ago, uh-huh. and eventually they reared their ugly heads. And, and you know, as things started to fall apart at the end of the Jerry Reese era, and then it's just been chaos instead. You know, since that point, and it really has. And the hope, at least, with Joe Judge now in the building, that he's setting things straight, and there seems to be a plan in place that finally makes sense. Jordan, tell me about Blake Martinez because I've had some callers last night who were like, <laughs> "Okay, so he's he, he's he's a numbers guy. He just blows up numbers. He's not that good. He's no different from um, from the, the 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 linebacker you had. Uh, you know, the linebacker he's, he's um, replacing. Yeah. Uh, what's the Ogletree. what do you see? Yeah, Ogletree. What do you see when you when you look at him and, and you talk to people about him? Look, I understand the concern. He's not great in coverage. That's not his number one skill, right? But it's over. People are overblown when they're criticizing him. I mean, this is a guy who's been a quality player in the NFL. You don't get 140-plus tackles by accident. I mean, he's, he's an instinctive player, a good quality player. I mean, the, the scheme contributed to him – getting those tackles. But they also contributed to him having trouble in coverage. I think the way they set it up is like his job was basically to cover the entire field. And that makes it difficult to cover, but it also sets him up for a lot of tackles. So, I, look, 
this is a quality player. The Giants really thought they needed, and you could understand this, someone in the middle of their defense to call the plays, be a leader, set things up. And the idea that this isn't a good player, I think, is, I think is, is way overblown. Oh, it, people, I just think sometimes, Jordan, people don't realize and fans don't realize how important the scheme is. And, and for people, for players, you got to understand what your guy does well and what he doesn't do well. And you can't put him in situations where that he's going to fail. So guess what? He's not going to be in coverage. Okay. He's going to, don't put him in coverage. That's his weak spot. Don't do it. It's very simple. He'll be a better player. Yeah. Look, you're going to have to cover some. But as long as you're not, like when you're going up, Against, uh, I don't know, name name uh, a dominant tight end in today's NFL, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. right? Yes, when you're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't want Blake Martinez matched up against Travis Kelsey all day. You have to scheme around it that day. Use your safeties, use some cornerbacks, nickel guys. I mean, that's what the NFL is these days. It's it's setting up the matchups. So I, I think that's Joe Judge talked a lot about that. I don't want to know what players can't do. I want to know what they can do. And what this guy can do is he's a tackling machine who could be the centerpiece of their defense and get them organized, get them called, get the plays called, and be a leader. So I, that, those, are, those are some big skills. There's no question about it. Jordan, the offensive line has always been a, a stickling point for this giant team. And you could say that it kind of helped Eli decide that he should retire. Um, but last year, I thought they showed some signs yeah. of getting better. And this is a better offensive line this season. Should be this season, correct? Well, we'll see. I think the jury's still out. I mean, Nate Solder has not played very well. Mm. Uh, Kevin Zeitler's a quality player, and Will Hernandez should be better. You, you were hoping for a bigger jump last year, but they just signed the right tackle. You know, they, they just signed Cameron Fleming, so at least they have a stopgap in place uh, to compete with Nick Gates at this point. But you can bank on it. The Giants are going to have an offensive lineman either from the first or second round of this draft. Mm-hmm. So that should help the offensive line. Now, it doesn't mean this year they're automatically going to be better. A lot of times... Young offensive linemen struggle. You see that everywhere, right? I mean, you know, it, it's not a given. Given, I don't care where, where they're picked in the draft. If they're picked four, yeah, you hope the guy can come in and contribute immediately. But even then, it hasn't been a lot that those guys have been good in year one. And then they need a center. So this is two pretty big spots. At least, I will say this. They were average last year. And average was an upgrade. Yeah. Right. At least they were, they were close to average. And it was an upgrade. So you hope that they could take that next step. New coach. I think that's a big thing as well that sometimes overlooked. You, you talk about Hal Hunter, uh, the previous coach, was not great things said about Hal Hunter, the former offensive line coach, even from people that you were talking about that were in that offensive room. So that change from him to Mark Colombo, I think, specifically can help that group. And adding Cameron Fleming is a nice little pickup. He's a veteran. He's familiar with the offense they're going to run to some degree, having played for Jason Garrett in uh, Dallas. And, you know, he's a reliable guy that at least you could fill in if you need him to be a starter. Listen, you never have enough O-linemen in a season. And when you add depth, when you can add depth and the depth is not far below your starters – 
That's a win-win, Jordan. That's a win. Yep, absolutely. They, you need. There's going to be a point. I mean, think about it. Cameron Fleming was uh, started in place of Tyron Smith each of the last two years. And you know, like, and Tyron Smith, the, the Giants wish they had someone as good as Tyron Smith. Oh yeah. But having a guy that you know you could at least put in there, and your quarterback is not going to be at risk, is a big thing, especially for the Giants. If you think about it, and getting a tackle in his draft would only solidify it even more. You made this investment in Daniel Jones, right? A huge investment. Their future is resting on Daniel Jones. So. One of their top priorities, if it's not priority number one, but it needs to be priority one B, right? Protecting your investment in Daniel Jones. So drafting a tackle to me is uh, imperative in this draft, and I fully expect the Giants to do it. Uh, pass rusher, where do you see them going, Jordan? Yeah. Jordan Nott's my guess. Is offensive or defensive at, at, at number four? Yeah, uh that's going to be a tough one. I mean, the problem is, what do the Giants need most? A pass rusher. Uh-huh. Right? Unfortunately for them, they beat the Washington Redskins. And now they're picking fourth instead of second. So Chase Young is off the board. Right? That's not good. He's not going to be there at pick number four. The Giants' chances of getting him are very slim, even in trade. Whatever, you want to, whatever scenario you want to come up with. It's pretty slim that they're going to get Chase Young. That there isn't another guy in the draft that kind of fills that that gap, right? And especially with the number four pick, even in the top ten, there isn't that other pass rusher. This year's free agency group, they were not that high under Davian Clowney. He was the premier pass rusher, so they realized they weren't going to get that guy. Now here's the problem, and this I say problem in that they're going to now try and slap it together by committee. Uh-huh. Right, they signed Kyler Fackrell, hoping that he can sort of replicate what he did in 2018 with Patrick Graham as his linebackers coach in Green Bay, who's now the Giants' defensive coordinator. Replicate that here in a bigger role, add some more depth, add some more competition at that position, and sort of use a, a committee because they know it's going to be this wasn't the year to get that guy, and at least for them, considering what they had the guys graded. And also, they realized they weren't going to be able to fill every hole that they had. That this was not going, like, this is what I started with before. This wasn't going to be a one-year plan. This wasn't going to be a one-year fix. And so that's a position that they're going to have to address later on in free agency and further down the line into next year. Last thing, Jordan. What... (laughs) What can we expect from Jason Garrett and his offense with Daniel Jones this season? Yeah, that's an interesting question because this is going to be a tough one. When are they going to even be able to get together? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. This is this is a tough one. The teams that have new offenses, the teams that are changing schemes, more than ever this year, might be at a big disadvantage. We don't know when they're going to be able to get together. Now, I assume Daniel Jones will be able to get the playbook, but it's different. They're not going to be able to practice till who knows when, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not out of the question to think that 
these guys don't aren't able to get together as a full group until training camp. It's not crazy to think that. Nobody knows what's going to happen right now. So I think what we're going to see is an offense that we kind of saw in Dallas where they're going to rely on that running back, build a downhill running scheme that's going to be based around Daquan Barkley, a, a lot of multiple tight end sets, and then have Daniel Jones work off that. And you're going to see your hope that Daniel Jones is able to protect the ball better and that they're not going to ask him to go out there and straight win games for us. That, like they have Saquon Barkley on the roster. They need to utilize that. So I think that's what we're going to see from the Giants offense, Daniel Jones, and even Saquon Barkley. Well, there's one thing we know about Jason Garrett. He kind of likes to run the football a little bit. <laughs> he does. He does. And that's a good thing when you got the back like Saquon Barkley. Look, they invested in Saquon Barkley. You might as well use that as well, right, to your advantage, and then have your quarterback work off that. I think it'll do wonders of limiting uh, Daniel Jones' turnovers. In a way, I thought they almost had too much confidence in Daniel Jones last year as a rookie, you know, rookie quarterback playing. Pat Shermer loved him so much that I think he had too much confidence in Daniel Jones. You're right. Well, uh, he, this way, Daniel will not have to take the load on himself. Jordan, great work as yeah. always. We'll check you out on ESPN.com and uh, enjoy the, the time home juggling daughter, wife, and life. Hey, we're all we're all healthy. That's really all that matters. And, and that's you know, online, really right? given the people who are out there doing the real work, the hard work, the you know people in the medical field, the people that are treating people. Those are the people you really need to. You know, pat on the back and give credit to. I'm sitting here covering football from my house. Uh, you know, there's, no there's not there's, there's not much credit that should be going out for doing something like that. Jordan, it's not the same. There's no question about it. But you know what? Thank goodness you are, because it's a nice distraction. <laughs> I appreciate it. It is a good diversion, though. I, I do. I do kind of like that. I mean, it's been a good diversion, at least working and doing this kind of stuff, than sitting home and listening and, and having the you know be inundated with, with uh, coronavirus stuff. It's, it's a good getaway, I think. And I, I hope I hope it's serving that way for a lot of people, too. It definitely is. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk soon. You got it. Have a good show. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Now, here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. And our top story comes out of Brooklyn again. It's the Brooklyn Nets who had four players tested positive for the coronavirus. And as you know, Kevin Durant was one of those players. The question to our world, why did the Nets players even get tested in the first place? The team returned back from a California trip. They had been in San Francisco planning to play the Warriors before that game uh, was canceled uh, with, with the rest of the NBA schedule. They had been in L.A. prior to that. And simply, the players, the organization made a decision that they wanted to test 
everybody. I was told they went through a private firm, paid out of pocket, uh, did not use any insurance money, um, and got the results uh, back this morning. Uh, I was told, as you said, three players uh, have not shown any symptoms of it. One player awoke this morning uh, with some aches, uh, some aches and pains, and that's been the only uh, symptoms any of the four have shown. But now uh, all those players plus the rest of the team uh, and the traveling party with the Nets, they're all being asked uh, to stay in isolation. Adam Silver, you know, the commissioner of the NBA, was asked on his thoughts of the of four players, especially Kevin Durant being tested positive for the virus. You know, I'd, I'd say in terms of the last four from the Brooklyn Nets, I honestly was not all that surprised. I think based on what we're hearing and given the lack of testing that's available, my sense is, especially in the New York area, that if you took almost any random group of New Yorkers, that it would be likely, increasingly likely, that there are going to be some positive tests. On top of that, you could put our players in a category that some would refer to as super spreaders. Hmm. Scary. So, Commissioner, are you talking about bad symptoms? No. I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, I've been in touch um, with those players that have tested positive so far. Um, Again, at least to the best of my knowledge, as of today, um, two of them had relatively mild symptoms um, and and others um, remained asymptomatic. But we'll see. I mean, it's it's possible, too, that, um, of course, that they could get worse. Now, a lot has been made about the fact that the Nets were tested. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio came out firing, uh, talking about the fact that how did the Nets are able to get testing when, you know, there was so many other people waiting for tests. Uh, today at the President Trump's press conference, he was asked about the fact is the test more for the wealthy and not just for everybody who really needs it. Well, the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, responded to that. I, of course, understand his point and that it's unfortunate or at this position as a society where it's triage when it comes to testing. And so the fundamental issue, obviously, is there are insufficient tests. I'd only say in the case of the NBA, um, we've been following the recommendations of public health officials. I mean, let me begin with the situation in Oklahoma City last Wednesday night. The Utah Jazz did not ask to be tested. The Oklahoma public health official there on the spot not only... um, required that they be tested, but they weren't allowed to leave their locker room. All right. So listen, precaution is the main thing. And and here's the thing. And I understand the idea of, you know, we need more tests. We need to find out what's going on. We want people to be tested and we need to have getting the mechanisms in place so people can be tested. That's now happening more frequently than it happened before. We can look back and say, you know what, it should have been in, we should have been more diligent and get this on the road earlier. You're right. But that ship has passed. So now it's about making sure that we get people tested and the quarantines that are, that are in effect now to hopefully do what we're starting to see in China, which is interesting. According to the news, this was the first day that there was no positive and any extra positive testing and extra positive announcements that people had the virus. So over there, it's slowing down. 
boy, you can't wait to hear that news over here. Sticking with the NBA, well, maybe some good news. Wode's going into his crystal ball trying to figure out when the NBA could return. Even since Wednesday's Board of Governors meeting, uh, which just preceded Rudy Gobert's positive test, you know, that owners and team executives, you know, have have further come to terms with how grave this situation is, how dark of a time that our country is likely facing moving forward and that there's not going to be a quick exit out of it. And teams are preparing, owners are preparing for the idea that it minimally this season may not start until mid-June, late June. And I'm told they are pursuing arena dates, you know, into late August for the playoffs and even looking at the idea without fans of playing games, maybe even in practice facilities that might make it a little, uh, give it kind of a little different look for television. So everything is on the table with the league right now. And there is a great deal of uncertainty about what lies ahead. That's scary because then when do you start the 2021 season? December, January of 2021? Oh, we'll keep an eye out on Woj. Michael Irvin was on Get Up this morning, and he really tried to break down why DeAndre Hopkins was sent packing from Bill O'Brien. He said, Michael, uh, it, it was a bit of a power struggle there because Bill O'Brien thought, Coach O'Brien thought he had too much influence over the locker room. He called DeAndre Hopkins in a meeting to talk about this and to kind of just hash it out. In that meeting, he started the meeting with telling DeAndre Hopkins this that blew my mind when DeAndre told me this. He said, he told DeAndre Hopkins, he said, hey, uh, the last time I had to have a meeting like this, it was with Aaron Hernandez. I was like, what? what? He, he, he put in Aaron Hernandez in this meeting? He said, yes, he did. He said, Michael, that blew my mind and he would even bring that up. I've never been in any trouble. I don't know why would he equate me with Aaron Hernandez. And from there, the meeting just deteriorated. You know, he got into talking about DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has uh, a few kids from different women. And he said, you know, he told DeAndre he doesn't like that he has his baby mamas around sometimes. And, And from that, I think the relationship just went bad. Yeah, I can understand it. <laughs> That's the playmaker on with uh, Greeny on Get Up This Morning. Finally, Adam Schefter. You know what? Nick Foles is on the move again. The Bears have been in the quarterback market. Everybody knew that they needed to bring in a quarterback to compete with Mitchell Trubisky. And so they go and get a quarterback in Nick Foles, who has worked with that offensive coaching staff. Keep in mind, Matt Nagy, the head coach, worked with Nick Foles in Philadelphia, as did John DiFilippo, as did Bill Lazor. So they know Nick Foles very well. There's familiarity there. I tell you, it, it, it's amazing that Nick Foles can't stay one place. He, he's good enough to be like the backup. He's not good enough to be a consistent starter in the NFL. It's unbelievable. Those are our top stories of the day. When we return, we'll get to your phone calls at 1-800-919-3776 when ESPN New York Tonight continues on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. He joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trey. 
What's up, Larry? So, Trey, at some point in time, and I'm going to make this offer to you, and we're going to have to okay. do it uh, at some point in time because Chris in Manhattan had a great idea. Because of your expertise in the kitchen, uh, uh-huh. it, it means that you have to – you could give a clinic on washing hands. And, um, you know, especially during this coronavirus, uh, he, he's absolutely right. I did it, – it's so funny – what you what what you find out about listeners in our family that we have here on ESPN New York tonight? Absolutely, it, absolutely. Really, I didn't know that he was he went to culinary school. I, mean, I didn't know. <laughs> so when he when he broke when he broke that piece of information off on me, um, and mentioned that you know because of what he had to go through and obviously understands, and it was it was fascinating to me. So at some point in time, Trey, we'll ask you to do it uh, to give us an audio version of it, and but you might consider. Uh, putting a little video on your uh, a little a little tutorial on the Twitter there you might you might consider it my friend okay uh, for, for my family it. at ESPN New York for my family at ESPN New York I'll do it you might you might consider doing that and uh, you yeah know, putting it you know have your you know full regalia on so that we can see the name of the restaurant you know what I'm saying oh yeah you know, yeah wash your hands and show us what you, know, you, you understand you know what I'm trying to say. Shameless plugs all over the place. Well, you know, you just you're you're at work. <laughs> I mean, you're at work. It's not it, like you're home. It, you're at work. It, 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 absolutely. Oh, it's work, Larry. It's working. It's hey, no it's question gonna about present, it. It's going to present some changes and challenges tomorrow, man. Because tomorrow it goes in effect down here as far as like just the takeout orders and and things like that. So, wow. It's, yeah. It's, it's now. It's, how's that it's, going to affect your business? It's, um, it hasn't so far much. Um, mm-hmm. What it is, like I said, it's just it's, it's logistics. It's just another problem. You know what I'm okay. saying? And you deal with it. Um, my workers are working, so that's 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 the most important that's thing. There, you know what okay. I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. And shout out to you know everybody out there that's you know these athletes that are putting their you know the money where their mouth is, man, and taking yes. care of some of, some of these uh, concession stand workers and people that are going to miss paychecks because this is real out here, man. The list people is miss paychecks. And it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, when people start missing missing and mortgage payments and rent payments and light yeah. bill payments because, you know, you, <laughs> and the light man don't want to hear your stories and he don't care about your tears. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to shout out to them for helping out. But yeah, keeping everybody employed is the biggest thing for me right now, Larry. I, yeah. That's the most important thing, man. And, you know, nobody, no, right, now, right now, right now, nobody's going to be missing the meal. So that's important. Right, well, that's, that's, but um, God, hopefully it contains, hopefully it contains. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me as well, Larry, I took a big risk. Took a big risk. No question. No question. <laughs> no question. Well, we're good. But you're we're living good. the dream. You're living the dream. Living the dream, Larry. Oh, my God. Hold on. <laughs> But, Larry, you know, uh, uh, I, one of my big uh, sports moments for my kids, man, my son, man, he was in the paper for the punt, pass, and kick. Oh, that's cool. And now, yeah, yeah, he was a step away from going uh, to uh, to Dallas to uh, compete, and uh, he got, like, third place or something. He was in the paper. He was, oh, man, he did, that that did it for me. I stood on the sideline. You know you know how you got to stand there composed, Larry, with the arms folded, uh-huh. and you can't be cheering too hard, you know. He's but, Larry, you know me, Larry. So, yeah, you know, it was really, really tough. I know it was. That was, that was tough. Larry, but, yeah, he showed out, man. He had the That's black good. receiver gloves on out there doing his thing, man. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, you know, out there shouting Brooklyn, like, so shut up, boy. Shut up. You know about the Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was good, man. That's, so that's the one for me. But for me, Larry, Larry, man, oh, come, come on, man. This come on, man. You know, just sell, you know. Check it out. It's going to be good. This is going to be good. 
It's going to be Rucker Park. It's going to be No, 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 no. little triple-double in high school, man. It was a good okay. night that night. little triple-double, man. It was light. It was light. I think we was 13, 10, and 12. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, spread it around a little bit, you know. You know, career 84% from the line, by the way. Put me on the line on the crunch. Put me Listen. on the man. I'm... So, so when the Knicks come back, <laughs> can you go down to the garden and okay, help well, some here's the shoot some free throws? Larry, here, here's the thing. We are at, a, at, an adva- at more of an advanced age now. So if you can provide some copper tone knee braces, we can make it happen. But you just standing at the oh, – they have to shoot, not you. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact, Larry. That's a fact, yeah. And man, you know, Larry, that's easy, man. You know, uh, I remember my coach – and I, I think we spoke about coaches before. My high school coach was Billy Clark Gillespie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used oh. to coach Kentucky. Okay. So he had this one philosophy at the line. Beef. Bend, uh, bend your elbow, eyes on the target, elbows in, follow through. It's pretty much Clay's stroke. Mm-hmm. It's Clay Thompson's stroke. But it's just yeah. it's a slow, more methodical stroke, man. And, and I'm telling you, the first, mm, the first two weeks of, of high school uh, practice, we didn't even have balls, Larry. We didn't have yeah. balls. We were out there. Remember, yeah, and that man, come on. It, yeah. it, that's a that's a, a coaching thing, and the Knicks will get that fixed. That's a coaching thing. Because you remember, Larry, for a long time, the Knicks was like leading the league in free throw percentage. We couldn't win no damn game, but we led the league in free throw percentage. We were like ninety, eighty-seven percent for a long time, <laughs> for about a, about an eight, seven, eight year stretch. Yeah, that's true. You reminded me of a story. I'm going to share that on the break a little bit later. You reminded me of a story I got from college. Go ahead. Okay. But, you know, Larry, you know, the, the, the thing about uh, the thing about uh, what's going on, Larry, is going to be it's going to be crazy, Larry. And we got to We got to embrace this and we got to stick together. And we'll be fine. And I and I, I think I am going to do that tutorial for you, too, Larry. I'm going to yeah, do it just should. for you. You I'm gonna do it just it for you guys. Great. I think it would be great. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna knock that out. Might need some help from Kyrie, so I'm gonna get at him on that. We're gonna well, take care of that. Do. You know what to do. You, <laughs> Absolutely. You he, he knows. Hey, you, We're actually y'all take care, and, and thank you. And y'all take care of yourselves. Y'all be yep. safe. Get home safe. And New York City, wash your hands, please. Thanks, Trey. I'll talk to you soon. one 3776 Trey reminded me, I had a, I took, because you know in college you have these these uh, easy classes that you take. <clears throat> and so I took this PE class. I took basketball. I mean, come on, you know. So I figured a basketball class, what are we going to do? We're going to play basketball. We went like four sessions. No basketball. He didn't even roll him out on the floor. We're doing, you know, the walking. We're, we're doing defensive drills. We're doing slides your feet. We're doing. I'm like, where's the basketball at? When are we gonna play? No, we're not playing yet. We need the fundamentals. We doing this. We doing, you know. It, it, and then when we when he did bring him out, it was like one. We were in different groups. It was one. All right, this is a chess pass. I'm like. Oh, we doing basketball 101. Oh, I thought we was just going. I thought it was like free play time. We just play, just go ahead and run up and down court, you know, like we was in, you know, elementary school again, just out there having fun. And then we had, because as you know, in college, you always got to have a book, right? So our book we had to buy was Red Holzman's book. Red Holzman, the Nick coach at that time of the championship teams, had a book out on how to play basketball. 
And that was our book that we had to study for the class. And um, the the teacher was the late Bobby Sands, who was an, an excellent basketball coach. Uh, coached in a number of places in high schools and whatnot. He was a great coach, and he was uh, he was uh, the teacher of the professor, the professor of uh, that class up at CCNY. That was crazy. But I'm just telling you, I was like, are we going to play? <laughs> <laughs> 